Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns. And today we're digging into my message from Sunday, which was about uh, the way that Jesus responded uh, to the disciples. Uh, this We were going through this series on the walk to Emmaus. Um, and Jesus spent part of the, like what we talked about two weeks ago, Jesus spent the time listening to the disciples. But here he responds. And he responds by telling the story of the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament and how that connects to his work and his ministry and helping the disciples see clearer. And so uh, what would be what Eric and I get to talk about is just how we respond to people um, and what, you know, kind of some of those more background pieces of what Jesus was up to on the road. So let's get into it. All right. So you shared, you shared a couple passages, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, I think that's one thing that's important for us to learn or realize is how often Mm-hmm. Jesus is mentioned in the Old Testament. So yeah, do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So the places that I was that I went on Sunday um, was like, so the, the whole premise is that Jesus explains the entire scripture to those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Like Jesus helps them to see how his death and resurrection was a part of God's overall story of redemption for the people of God. And so he takes them all the way back to the beginning. Like scripture says, they took him, that, that, that Jesus took them all the way back to Moses. And so Moses is like the star. I mean, and there's there's a lot of stuff that happens before, even before Moses that really speaks to to, to God's deliverance um, and, the, and, and God's deliverance happening through a Messiah that's eventually going to become Jesus. Um, you know, and so like even in Genesis, um, Genesis 3, um, it talks about the fact of a Messiah being born of a woman. Like we, mm. we from the very foundation, we know that there is a Messiah coming that is going to be like us, but yet still like God. So like Jesus being fully divine and fully human is a part of Old Testament theology from the very beginning of the scripture. Like as soon as there's a problem, because like Genesis 3 is when the fall happens. Like, so as soon as there's a problem, God has a plan. Like God at no point does not, is not flummoxed by human sin and human failing. Like not that God caused it again, not that God caused that to happen, but, and God knew what to do as a result of that. So he made a promise, even as he's admonishing Adam and Eve for their shortcoming and admonishing the serpent for his, you know, for his craftiness in duping the humans. Like even in the midst of that, God is still proclaiming deliverance. Um, so the, the rest of the old Testament unfolds as it will, as it will. So in, I, in Genesis 12, um, in the speaking of the Abrahamic covenant, um, you know, the God is still pointing to a Messiah that is going to be born of in the line of Abraham. Uh, that's the, this, that promise is repeated to Isaac as well. That's why you'll hear God referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like these are the patriarchs. These are those that, that, established the people of God into who they were. Abraham through the covenant, Isaac through the faithfulness, and then Jacob by becoming Israel. I mean, he's the foundation of the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes are his sons. And that that part of Israel's identity never went away as it went from Israel, the individual, to Israel, the nation. Um, and so, um, and then the one of the things that I cut on Sunday um, more out of nerves and, um, you know, kind of 
Sunday was, I mean, yeah, Sunday was weird. I, I messed up my opening prayer and that just completely like kind of shook me for the rest of the, of the whole sermon. And so I wanted to talk more about David um, because one of the things that happened on Sunday was one of our young kids named Sophia, like completely just preached the gospel in a way that was so cool. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just that we were talking about stories and just wh- how important stories are. And she said, well, my mom and dad read me a story from the Bible. And it's about, you know, there was a king that messed up and, uh, and, and God still, you know, made these promises that, that the Messiah was going to be a part of his, of his line, which is absolutely what happens. I'm um, in second Samuel seven, we learn the Davidic covenant. We learn the promise that God made to David, that someone from his line would rule over everybody forever and that person ends up being jesus like we learn like the reason why matthew's gospel starts with the genealogy is to establish that jesus is in the line of david in accordance with the prophecies in accordance with the prophet prophetic message of the old testament um and so um that that starts that davidic part of it starts in second samuel 7 when god makes that promise to david um so that was in my sermon for sunday but did get cut um, kind of, you know, for, for time ish, but, uh, I did some, some, some Google searching and some research and found 47 different passages where the Hebrew Bible or the old Testament points to the Messiah and the ways that Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. Like there are, you know, there are, there are things that are specifically mentioned and things that Jesus intentionally did to move the pieces around so that people could get the point that he was going to be the Messiah, that he was the Messiah, that the kingdom of God was at hand, that the Messiah had come. Um, They missed it, Mm -hmm. you know, but also again, that's part of the deliverance of God. Like, you know, Jesus being hung on a tree is a part of the prophecy, like of the Messiah being like taking on this accursed death in the Hebrew world. I mean, that's all a part of Jesus' Messiah narrative of the way that that he was trying to point people to the reality of who he was. They were just expecting something different. Like we've talked about before on the podcast and in, and in sermons as well, like they were looking for a political leader. They were looking for a, a, a warrior king that was going to come and proclaim the time of Roman oppression being over. And that never happened. Jesus died and he mm-hmm. defeated death, which was much bigger than defeating Rome. But it still did, did, did. Jesus did not meet their expectations, even though Jesus fulfilled everything that they were waiting for. The death of Jesus on the cross, like the, the, some of the words that Jesus said from the cross um, themselves were from the Psalms, uh, were from Psalm 22 specifically. I mean, if you look at, you know, Psalm 22 is this gut-wrenching lament of the people of God. And these are the words that so perfectly encapsulates what Jesus went through. Um, you know, and also Isaiah 53, which is what one something I read from on Sunday about the suffering servant. He was wounded for our transgressions. That when we hear that, our Christian ears hear that and think automatically of Jesus. But mm-hmm. as you study the way that Hebrew people understand the Hebrew Bible, like the Old Testament, um, we we see that they had a they had an entirely different thing in mind, and that was you know a, a different suffering a different suffering servant, a different person. Like there are there in the history of 
of Israel. Um, when like the the one that allowed them to return from exile was Cyrus, and Cyrus is believed to have been born of a virgin. Like when people read the prophecies of Isaiah, they think of Cyrus rather than thinking of Jesus. But yet. There again, that's one of the ways that we not, not that not that we're being unfaithful to the text when we do those types of things, but we look to what Jesus did and how Jesus came to be on our earth, and we see those same that we as we see and we see those same things that Jesus took those things and Jesus is the the true revelation of of the of those passages. Okay, now I have to ask. So, who is Cyrus? The, the Persians eventually. Um, uh, captured the Babylonians. And then, so just kind of as a bonus prize, they got, Hey, you also have these Israelites too. Cause you know, you, you they're in Babylonian captivity and then the Babylonians get, get conquered by the Persians. And Cyrus is the King of Persia that allows the people of God to return to Israel and kind of sets the stage for what the old Testament or what the new Testament is written into uh, the world that the new Testament is written into where Jews are living back in Israel, but yet not free because then the Persians are dominated by the Romans and then the Romans are in charge. So, and would be for quite some time, but Mm -hmm. yeah, but even Rome fell. So that's, you know, kind of one of those possible, you know, different readings of the old Testament pointing to Cyrus rather than pointing to what we believe pointing to be Jesus. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Dr. John Learman, for making me do a word study on uh, fulfillment and the way that, that Matthew uses the word fulfill when it comes to fulfilling scriptures. So hmm. it's not a fun paper to write. Oh, it sucked. So <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We made up in the end. Okay, but Cyrus would not have been, been from the line of David, right? No. Nope. Nope. There are definitely things like there are, I mean, because of the layers of promises around who Messiah was going to be, like it starts to eliminate options pretty quickly when you realize how many boxes Jesus ticks and Mm -hmm. not, and not that like, that's the, that's the sole, you know, the sole criteria, but yet, I mean, it matters that Jesus Mm -hmm. did do all of these things and that we can look to the testimony of the Gospels and and, and draw those connections and see that this is that and that is that. And, you know, all of a sudden becomes undeniable for us that Jesus is Messiah. Right. That that seems to me to kind of be, I don't know, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like if all of these things are proving to be true. What else, what other options do we have? That's what makes us Christians. Like we see that as definitive. We see that as the straw that breaks the camel's back. We see that and we realize, Oh, Jesus is who he says he is. We follow Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe upon Jesus for salvation. And then Jesus becomes instructive for how we live the rest of our lives because Mm -hmm. he is who he is. That's why we're Christians. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Christian scholars, you know, just pastors, whatever, have put all these things together and in the New Testament puts all this stuff together, right? Mm-hmm. For us. So the question becomes what, or at least for me, what do Jewish people see 
or like why then don't Jew- all Jewish people believe that Jesus was the Messiah even today? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, because they believe that Jesus was like, no matter, I mean, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, every major world religion has to reckon with Jesus in some way or another. Um, but what they look to Jesus and see is another prophet. They see that he is a prophet that's been sent by God because they don't, I mean, it's not that they don't believe in the new Testament, but they just think that we have made the wrong conclusion that we've looked at the same information that they have and that Jesus is not, you know, Jesus is not who he, you know, said that he was, and Jesus is not who, what the rest of the New Testament proclaims him to be. And there is also a sense that we have taken, I mean, I was talking with an Old Testament professor friend of mine um, that I've mentioned before on the podcast, John Anderson. And he's like, well, we have taken a lot of those things um, and, and made them into what Jesus did. The feeling is that we skew what Jesus did to fit to fit the Old Testament narrative. Yeah. Okay. So what's the argument against that? We as Christians have to realize that, you know, we did not just replace the Jews as God's chosen people. Like they are still God's chosen people. And like Jewish salvation still has to be a thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but yet. Sorry I've, for hard questions. No, it's all good. I love it. That's what we're here for. Um, I'm just trying to figure out the most respectful way of saying this. Cause like anti-Semitism is a real issue in, in, in mm-hmm. when we're having this conversation and, and has been a real, like we, we as Christians have done so much damage to our Jewish brothers and sisters by believing that we're somehow better than like, we are, we are a branch that has been grafted on. Like mm-hmm. that's what that's a big part of Paul's message is that we're grafted on, but the tree is still fine through Jesus and looking to his teachings and the way that he revealed the Holy spirit. And like the fact that the revelation of God has come, you know, to, to people outside of Jewish faith, outside of Jewish, of Jewish heritage, you know, that's, that's our, that's our big sticking point is that, you know, believing in Jesus as Messiah reveals more of the character of who God is. Like God exists as three persons in in perpetual community and divine, you know, divine relationship. Like Genesis, going back to the Old Testament, Genesis one, verse twenty six, the creation of humanity in the first in the first creation story in Genesis. Let us make humanity in our image. If God's the only thing that's there at this point, who is God talking to? Mm-hmm. Let us make God, let us make humanity in our image. There's a reason why in the Hebrew it's it's plural like that because it reflects the Trinity. I mean, what we come to know as Trinity, it, be, it but it comes to reflect the communal nature of who God is. And looking to Jesus and seeing Him as the divine Son of God, one. I mean, ooh, I just whacked my camera. Seeing Him <laughs> as part of that Godhead reveals the character and the nature of God. And then to look to Jesus' teachings where He says. Yeah, I have been here and doing these things, but I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to die and rise to new life and be ascended into the in, into heaven. And where I'm going, you cannot go, but there's a Holy Spirit coming. And the fact that the Holy Spirit then comes and reveals again another part of the nature of God, that is where we really do found our identity, where we really do ground our identity as the people of God. 
And so I think that that's what I would say in response is that, you know, is that looking to Jesus as Messiah reveals the character of God in the same way that God revealed God's character in the rest of the story of the Old Testament. As I've said before, every major religion has to reckon with Jesus in some way or another. Jewish folk and Muslim folks see him as a prophet who reveals who God is rather than seeing him as God. But I think that seeing him as we believe him to be is more faithful to the character of who God is. So excellent answer. We can now close. Thanks for joining us. I <laughs> 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 just like church on Sunday ended at the children's sermon. So mm-hmm. we can do that. At the but, I mean, that's, that's something we all have to wrestle with a little bit. Yeah, and absolutely. 99% of us really don't understand. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we all, it's a, it's the famous C.S. Lewis quote that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic or a Lord. I mean, we, we, we can look at the claims of Jesus and think that he was absolutely dotty, or we can look at Jesus claims and just think that he's wrong, or we can look at Jesus claims and believe them and find him to be the Lord of our lives. And, and that second person of the Trinity and that part of the Godhead, you know, who he has revealed himself to be. So, yeah, that's what it kind of boils down to for me. The other thing I wanted to, that I wanted to dig into is about um, the way that Jesus responds um, and just what that means for us um, as people that follow God. One of the things that Jesus says to the disciples on the road is after they tell him everything that they've been through and what they've experienced with Jesus and how they're feeling about what's just happened with his death. Like they don't know the fact of the resurrection. They don't know that to be true. They've heard rumors and rumblings, but the entire group of other people of other men have completely dismissed the words of the women that were at the tomb and saw the empty tomb and saw the angels and, you know, they they've they're not there yet they haven't they don't believe yet and these disciples are no different they're on this road to emmaus they're having these conversations a stranger joins them they don't know who the stranger is yet and they've just told him everything and the stranger says why are you so foolish and why is your heart so slow to believe and like when you're dealing with people that are in grief, that's, I mean, this is pastoral care 101. Like if you ever want to take a class with Gary Strickland, which is who I had for pastoral care, he would tell you that Jesus is not handling these grieving people in the way that you would want grieving people to be handled. And so one of the questions that arises for me out of this story is what is Jesus doing? Why is Jesus speaking this way? And Part of the answer is comes down to translation. Um, part of the answer is that it isn't as pointed as some of our English translations make that to be. It's just like in the Gospels when Jesus admonishes the disciples for having a lack of faith. When walking on water and starts to sink and, you know, what does it say? Oh, ye of little faith. Right. Yeah. So like we, and that's how a majority of English translations have translated that. That's not what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus is not Mm -hmm. being accusatory when he says that. One of the things that we learn as we study Greek is that Jesus often referred to his disciples and the Greek word is really fun to say. It's all like a pistos. And that just means little faither. It was a nickname of a term of endearment that Jesus had for the disciples. And because that word does turn into 
little faith, because Olga is small and Pistos is faith, we've turned that into into a into a pejorative, and it's just not supposed to be that way. Really? You know? So yeah, so it's really just say Jesus saying, "Oh, you little faithers, you know, you're you're young and you're learning these things. You're a little faither." It, it's it, it's almost like a nickname for them rather than a, a pejorative. And so here, this is kind of another translation issue where Jesus is not being as gruff as we think he's being. Um, Jesus is more saying, you've had the words of the prophets for so long. You've had, you have this knowledge of who God is, but you're not accessing it. Like you're not thinking of the full story. You are not, you know, you're not, you're not going there. He really is being kind of gruff with them, but yet it's more about just his exasperation with their lack of faith after all this time. You know, it's been so long. They've been following Jesus. They've, they know who God is, but yet they're still not getting it. And like, that's partially to be expected because of grief and, and the, and the way that like grief fogs our brains, but it also is just a fundamental misunderstanding and something that Jesus has been pushing against this entire time. And even now, as he's resurrected and risen from the dead and like doing the things he said he was going to do, they're still just not grasping it. And Mm -hmm. so before he unlocks everything for them, he this is how he enters into that conversation. Sure. Well, what does next week look like? Yeah, so next week is a very fun week in the life of the church. Eric and I are both smiling because it's Camp Sunday on Sunday. So we have the opportunity to welcome Christy Heflin from Lake Ponset and uh, Lake Ponset Camp and Living Waters Retreat Center uh, to our sanctuary to just kind of preview the upcoming summer season of camp, uh, preview what the curriculum is going to be about, which is about names and the, and the names that God gives us and the way that God um, has this this really uncanny ability to change our names into what God wants our names to be and just kind of reminds us that we are named by, you know, that we have names that he has given us. Um, and so we're going to be digging into the idea of God's names for us um, and just digging into all the fun that camp has in store. So we got our Chi Alpha kids lined up to sing, and then we're having our traditional goody auction after church uh, for uh, camp scholarships. Uh, we, uh, the camp, the, the church here uh, is very generous and provides a 75% scholarship to anyone that wants to go to camp. And so, yeah, we're just looking forward to having Christy with us and hearing the good news of what's happening around our camp and retreat ministries across our conference, uh, hearing what's happening at Lake Ponset, and then just getting inspired and fired up to be a part of this very, very exciting summer uh, that is coming up very soon. So awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. Sounds good. Well, and then back to Emmaus. So sweet. Yeah. yeah. Camp Sunday is one of the best Sundays of the year. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, Thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in church at 10 a.m. for Camp Sunday Ooh. online or back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. <laughs>